2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm reading from verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and reading from verse 1. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. A few weeks we've been uh, doing this little series about prayer. And uh, you will uh, recall that... Uh, you'll recall that uh, part of the inspiration was this uh, call to prayer from our our General Secretary of the Baptist Union, uh, Lynn Green, who was, uh, who was asking for beacons of prayer. She said, I sense that God wants to light beacons of prayer across the UK. Beacons of prayer that our people inspired to pray and seek the Lord. Not with our agenda, but simply that we might draw close to him and open ourselves and our churches to him so that we would have the freedom to move among, he would have the freedom to move amongst us and through us by his prayer. So, we were looking at prayer. And uh, we started off by asking a simple question, what is prayer? And uh, we said that prayer is about our relationship with God. We're looking at the Lord's Prayer and uh, we relate to God as Father. We said prayer is about our worship of God. We talked about the fact that it says, hallowed be your name. We talked about the fact that prayer is a partnership with God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we said all this is about our friendship with God, which we develop through prayer. So that was the first week. And then we said, how do we pray? We've said what prayer was last, uh, last week. We were saying, how do we pray? And then uh, we continued to, uh, to look at the Lord's Prayer in Luke's Gospel, where the disciples say, teach us to pray. And we said that prayer is about givers. Givers today, our daily bread is about provision. Uh, forgivers is about pardon. Uh, leaders is about protection. And so we, uh, we, we've asked the question, what is prayer? 
we've, uh, we've, we've, we've said, how do we pray? And uh, this week, uh, we're dealing with the problem of unanswered prayer. The problem of unanswered prayer. I don't know of anybody else, but I, I think it is a problem. Uh, each week, we've been, uh, we have been asking for little testimonies. And uh, we had a couple of testimonies uh, last week. And I'm just giving the opportunity every week for anybody who's got a, a little one-minute, two-minute testimony about prayer. And uh, I don't know if anybody this morning's got uh, anything that they want to share. Beryl, come on. It was just with you saying, it can be a problem, unanswered prayer. And some of you know that I've been involved with... Uh, a Christian conference that's met at the Quinta Centre uh, over 25 years. And most of that time, uh, she was then a young lady, uh, looked after the children, the 7s to 11s, and it was her calling uh, to be a child, uh, what's the word am I looking for? Evangelist. And she did work in India as well, and particularly a lot of the churches down the south, because she came from Battle. And um, she retired, I think it was last year, or 18 months ago, I'm not quite sure. But, um, and then we got a prayer, a prayer letter that she'd got a tumour, um, and it was affecting her eyesight. And, of course, when we pray for her, and we were praying all over the country, because people have been coming to the conference from... Uh, well, everywhere, really, uh, even all over the world we've had visitors. And she had connections in many places, and people have been praying for her. And uh, and she had said, would we pray because she didn't want to die? But sadly, she did. Uh, but we do, one thing, encouragement in that sense is that we know where she is. She's gone with the Lord. She loved the Lord. She was always speaking about the Lord. She did a wonderful job with the children. So that's the only way, I think, we can cope with that kind of prayer not answered. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. And we've got another one, Elaine. Come on. She's got... I'll just tell you, Barry volunteered me last week, and uh, I was just thinking, oh, I don't have to do it because it's about unanswered prayer. But my testimony is uh, really one that's spoken to me and uh, the unanswered part of it, which has just come to me now, no, thank you, <laughs> that uh, both people concerned, uh, people that I believe have had miraculous healings, but that seed that's been planted in their life has not come to fruition for them to come to know the Lord yet. So that's the unanswered part, and it's now up to us to continue faithfully praying for them. But I've got loads of notes here, and I'm really, really nervous, and I've got lots of verses, and the best one was the one that, my grace is all you need, my power works in your weakness. So I'm really just claiming that now because I do get very nervous. Last year's text was the one that really spoke to me, because as the week went on, I thought, why did Brian volunteer me when I'm so nervous? So that was to trust in the Lord. My sister-in-law, a few weeks ago, was diagnosed with, um, she's not my sister-in-law, but come to me about that later. That's how I think of her. Um, 
is uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer and has had a mastectomy and a reconstruction. And uh, uh, the sad part was that her mother has had exactly the same thing and is still going through therapy and treatment. Sally rang after she'd seen the consultant last week and said, I'm all clear. And she's, all she's to do now is just to take tablets for 10 years to sort the hormone side of it out. I'm not medical, I just don't understand it all. But I was crying on the phone and saying, it's a miracle, praise the Lord. And I thought, what's she going to think of me afterwards? You know, I didn't think at the time. And she said, don't get upset, Elaine. I said, I'm not upset. I'm just thrilled that you've got this good news. So really what I want to share with you uh, about prayer is the fact that I believe we were all involved. I think um, that uh, I believe that God kept Brian and I faithful in prayer and I believe that uh, God spoke to me how to share, uh, to keep in touch with Sally by keep sending a little text and writing little cards to her and just giving small things, not doing one big thing. And I believe, and to continue to do that, which I am doing, I believe God guided with the gifts that uh, we're to give to them because, you know, lots of people give big fancy things when, uh, you know, and I'm not one of those people. And I, he showed me clearly what to take and what to give. And I believe that the, uh, God wanted the church to be involved and, uh, I know they prayed at cell, and then Beryl gave me the flowers the Sunday that we were going over to visit, and that really touched her because they had the label on Lum Baptist Church. So really what I want to thank you, God has really taught me through this, that prayer isn't just going alone and praying with God. It's all the things combined that really put the power in the prayer for that, uh, for, well, it did help me, but I'm sure it spoke to them. And I just want to say thank you for the flowers that the church sent. And that's nothing to what I wrote down, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Great. Thank you, uh, Elaine, for that. And there will be opportunity uh, next week, again, for people to share. So if you have got uh, a testimony about prayer, it can be a wonderful answer to prayer or it can be a struggling prayer. Uh, we'd love to share some of those testimonies just so that we hear. Uh, about prayer life. And it, it isn't, as we've seen from the two uh, testimonies this morning, um, it isn't always plain sailing, is it? And uh, let me just qualify what we're talking about when we're talking about unanswered prayer. Because, of course, some people will say, Richard, there's no such thing as unanswered prayer. You you naughty person, you, you're just lacking in faith. Uh, it's quite simple. Uh, either God says yes, or God says no, or God says not yet. And it's simple as that. There's nothing to talk about. And uh, whilst there's some truth in that, uh, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think people know um, what we're talking about when we're talking about unanswered prayers. We're not talking about silly, frivolous prayers. We're not talking about, you know, people that pray for their team to win uh, or their team to stay in the Premier League. Uh, you know, we're not talking about people that, that, that pray to win the lottery. We're not talking about people that pray, you know, God give us a fine day because we're going out for a picnic today. Uh, we're not talking about silly prayers. Um, we're talking about uh, when people pray seriously uh, about things that are really uh, dear to them. Uh, uh, praying for, for, for loved ones who don't know God. Praying for people with illnesses. 
uh, that don't get better. Praying for, for situations in relationships. Uh, praying for really important things uh, that we believe are within God's will. Um, you know, we, 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 we prayed in the Lord's Prayer, didn't we? Uh, you know, your will be done, your kingdom come. So we're talking about when people pray for things uh, that they feel that is within God's will. And there seems to be no answer. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So the problem of unanswered prayer. And it is a problem. And first of all, there needs to be an honesty of unanswered prayer. Just uh, identifying that this happens. That people pray for things and there doesn't seem to be an answer. And it is the problem that we tend not to talk about. Um, So far we've had uh, four people stand up and give testimonies and uh, three of those have been about answers to prayer and one has been about maybe not an an answer but again we want to turn it into an answer and and maybe say that was was God's will because we don't like um, to perhaps talk about the fact that sometimes it seems for whatever reason that God doesn't answer our prayers. And so we need to be honest. We need to give a platform to those people that struggle with issues and prayers, as well as rejoicing with those that have wonderful answers. And it needs to be an equal platform. Because otherwise we get an unbalanced idea of what happens when we pray. If we only ever give a platform to people who have wonderful answers to prayers... Uh, people in the congregation will sit there and think, well, God's answering their prayers. I better keep quiet because he's not answering my prayers. There must be something about me. There must be something wrong with me. And there'll be plenty of people who will uh, say that uh, in in lots of different ways. So we're dealing with this uh, problem of unanswered prayers, the problem no one's talking about. And we're saying, let's be honest about it, that I guess all of us um, could think of situations where we've prayed for things. And the situation doesn't have been seem to be resolved, or in some cases the situation has actually got worse and not better. And uh, we need to talk about it. Okay, so the first thing is uh, is, is honesty. The second thing is incons- the inconsistency of unanswered prayer. You can see where I'm going here with uh, with rhyming words, finding words that rhyme. The inconsistency of unanswered prayer, the inconsistency. Philip Yancey in his book, uh, which I'm trying to read through at the moment, Prayer Doesn't Make a Difference, he says this, he says, I do not doubt that God answers prayers, rather I struggle with the inconsistency of those apparent answers. I struggle with the inconsistencies of those apparent answers. The inconsistency of unanswered prayer. And we've seen this morning that there is a bit of an inconsistency. There doesn't seem to be a pattern. We look for patterns, don't we? You know, and we want to say, you know, if, if we get it right, if we pray in a certain way, if we use the right words, uh, if, if we make sure that, that we're right with God, we're looking for a way in which our prayers will be answered. And to me, uh, looking and listening to people's testimony, and certainly in my own life, there seems to be a bit of inconsistency. Some prayers are answered, some prayers are not answered. Um, I've, I've prayed them as far as I know uh, with the same uh, belief, with the same uh, fervour, with the, with the same seriousness. And sometimes God seems to answer, and sometimes there seems to be some inconsistency. Again, Philip Yancey says, The real problem lies not in the fact of refusal, that's not answering prayers, 
But in the Bible's lavish promises, in a nutshell, the main difficulty with unanswered prayer is that Jesus seemed to suggest there need not be any. And this is where we get the problem. It seems to me, and it seems to Philip Yancey, and it may seem to you, uh, that when we read the Bible, uh, Jesus seems to suggest that there need not be unanswered prayer. You see, Jesus could have said something like this. He could have said, I'm giving you the gift of prayer. You must realize, of course, that as humans, you cannot have perfect wisdom. So there's limits to whether your prayers will be answered. Prayer operates like a suggestion box. Spell out your requests clearly to God, and I guarantee that all requests will be carefully considered. Now, that kind of statement, you know, I, I can live with, I can cope with. The problem is, is, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said things like this. He said, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Jesus also said, again, truly, I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And I could have given you a lot more text, just a little example of the sort of things that Jesus said that seems to imply that we shouldn't have a problem with unanswered prayer because all we need to do is ask and make sure that we're asking with a sincere heart and that we believe, and it will be given. The inconsistency of unanswered prayer. I don't know about you, but I've asked for things. And I've believed with all my heart. And yet, there hasn't always been an answer. And sometimes I've prayed about things and, and hardly give it in a second and thought. And the prayer seems to be answered. There seems to be that inconsistency. And of course, some people have got answers to the inconsistency. Some people will say, well... If your prayer's not answered, there's obviously a problem. And uh, the problem could lie with you. Uh, it could be that there's some sin in your life that you've not asked for forgiveness for, and that's what's stopping uh, God answering your prayer. Or it could be that you've just not got enough faith, and uh, you've not believed enough, and that's why God is not answering your prayer. I don't know about you, but I struggle when people say things like that. Because... It just adds to the burdens of the person who is struggling with unanswered prayer. It isn't helpful. It isn't helpful to, to suggest that, there's, that the problem is, is with them. In fact, I would suggest that if the problem is with anybody, the Bible seems to suggest it's with the person who prays. Jesus talked about people not having enough faith. Um, and so let's not put the burden on the people that we pray for when the prayer is not answered. But again, I don't even want to put the burden on the person who's praying for us. We'd never get anybody in the prayer team if we expected 100% results. And so there is this kind of inconsistency. Um, but there is good news. There is good news. There's always good news. Because not only is there the uh, inconsistency of unanswered prayer, there is a history of unanswered prayer. There was a history. We're not the first people to ponder this question. We're not the first people to uh, wonder why this is. In fact, um, did you know there are lots of examples of unanswered prayer in the Bible? 
lots of examples. Lots of examples. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a few. Um, Moses pleaded with God to be able to enter the promised land. Did he get an answer to his prayer? No. Um, King David spent a week fasting and praying for his son. Sadly, his son died. Jeremiah prayed for Jerusalem not to be destroyed. Uh, Habakkuk prayed for deliverance from the Babylonians. And Jesus, yes, Jesus was not able to perform many miracles in his hometown, according to Mark. And, of course, Jesus prayed in John's Gospel 17 that all those who believed in him would be one. I think at the last count, there was something like over 200,000 different um, forms, denominations, whatever you want to call them, of Christianity. You could hardly describe the church as one. And yet, that's what Jesus prayed for. We could talk about Jesus' anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane. We could talk about the fact that Jesus uh, prayed that Peter uh, would not fall into temptation. Um, And we could go on and on and on and find in the Bible prayers that seemingly went unanswered. The problem is, of course, we don't tend to focus on those stories. We tend to focus on the stories where there are wonderful answers to prayer. Um, name now, but I found an interesting example of, uh, of one of uh, Paul's uh, companions who was, uh, who was left sick, and again, it just doesn't explain uh, why Paul wasn't able to, uh, to, to heal him. Uh, so the Bible's full of, of, of examples of, of unanswered prayer, and yet we tend to measure, we'd much rather think about Moses crossing the Red Sea than leading the people out of, out of Egypt than we would the, the difficulty in him not being allowed to enter the promised land. We'd rather focus on, the, on David, you know, conquering um, Goliath rather than him struggling with the fact that God allowed his son to die. Because we tend to, we want to focus on the, on the, on the good things. And there's a sense in which we don't want to talk about unanswered prayer because in a sense we feel that we're letting the side down. And maybe we're even letting God down. And maybe it is us that doesn't have enough faith. There's that question in our own mind. Because, again, we go back to these verses where, where Jesus seems to make it very clear and simple that all we have to do is ask. But there is that history. And I don't know about you, but that makes me feel a little bit better about the fact that sometimes I pray about things and there seemingly is no answer. And I find that I'm with other people that have also prayed and haven't had an answer. And of course, Paul three times prayed in the passage that we read that his thorn in the flesh may be removed. And of course it wasn't. Paul, one of the greatest Christians, surely, that ever lived. Paul, that took the good news to the Gentiles. Paul, that went on all these missionary journeys and was able to to heal people and do wonderful and marvellous things prayed about this thorn in the flesh that we don't know what it is. Some people think it was uh, a physical ailment. 
Some people think it was a, a mental ailment. Some people think it was the persecution that he's felt. We, we don't know because he doesn't say. He just describes it as a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. But what we do know is that God did not remove that thorn in the flesh, even though he prayed three times. Somebody might say, well, why did he stop after three times? He should have prayed more. And then he would have got an answer. He didn't pray enough. What, Paul, wasn't good enough for you? To keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. By the way, Paul's talking about himself when he's talking about that kind of uh, mystical uh, experience. He's talking about himself kind of in the third person. Um, And he says... There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times he pleaded. You know, when we plead with the Lord, it's when we kind of, it's, it's kind of say, you know, we're not just asking, we're kind of pleading, we're begging, we're seeking, we're asking. And some of you know what that's like. Some of you know what it's like to plead with the Lord, maybe about children that haven't come to faith. Maybe about somebody that is you, who's desperately ill, who you really love and care for, and you plead with God, and the heavens appear to be silent. The history of unanswered prayer, there's a long history of unanswered prayer, and we are part of it. And then, fourthly, there is the mystery of unanswered prayer. There's the honesty, there's the inconsistency, there's the history, and there is the mystery of unanswered prayer. And again, Philip Yancey says, between the two questions, does God answer prayer, and will God grant my specific prayer for this sick child or particular injustice, lies a great pool of mystery. Just allow that to sink in for a moment. There is a mystery in unanswered prayer. That's another way of saying we don't know. And again, we don't like to admit that we don't know. Um, you look at me as a minister and you think, you're the minister, you should have an answer for everything. You should be able to explain anything because you are a minister. You've been to college, you've been trained in theology. Come on, give us the answer. And sometimes we have to say about God, there is a mystery. We cannot fully understand God. We are human beings. Isaiah talks about, you know, your ways being much higher than my ways. Your thoughts are much higher than my thoughts. There is that mystery. Three times I've pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But Paul goes on to say, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And in this, I find a clue, I think, if we're looking for answers. If we're looking for answers, I think there is a clue here. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. You see, the problem that we have is uh, we imagine when we come to faith, um, and we're kind of told this, aren't we? You know, that God's going to look after you, that God's going to protect you, that God's going to care for you. We've even talked about it with the children this morning. You know, let's thank God that he looks after us, he provides for us. And of course, that's, that is true in so many ways, except to say that 
he doesn't promise that nothing bad will ever happen to us. Again, we don't talk about these things because we focus on the good stuff. But actually, um, when we look at Jesus' life and we look at Jesus' death, uh, we see that Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but not what I will, but what you will. You see, God, Jesus gave himself completely over to God's will. And God's will for Jesus involved suffering, pain, betrayal, and death. And yes, of course, resurrection. But suffering and death and betrayal. For my power is made perfect in weakness. He goes on to say, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. You see, Paul, when Paul stands up in church to give his testimony... I kind of think Paul maybe wouldn't have been talking about the wonderful answers to prayers because he says, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses and listen to the list. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. I don't know about you, but I don't delight in my weaknesses. I've got to be honest. And I certainly wouldn't delight in this list. In, In insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties, the truth is we don't take delight in these things. And often we don't feel that we can speak about them. But Paul lists them. In fact, he says, I'm going to boast about these things. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul, it seems to me to be saying, is that, is that he doesn't think that God has promised to answer every prayer in the way that Paul and you and I would want him to. Sometimes the problem in prayer is that we can be a little bit too bold. Sometimes we tell God what we think he ought to do. If God always answered our prayers and always gave us exactly what we wanted, he'd actually be handing over power to us. I don't know if you've seen the film uh, Bruce Almighty. Uh, I was tempted to to find the clip, but I I realised that Marilyn was away and she'd given me strict instructions not to give anything complicated to the people that were doing the... uh, Yeah, thanks. And so we've not got a clip. But you've seen the film Bruce Almighty. He's given God's power. And the first thing that he does is uh, he decides he's going to right a few wrongs. And he uses his power uh, to do all sorts of miracles for his benefits. Uh, He beats up some thugs that that have insulted him. And uh, he, he gets himself a nice fancy car, and uh, he impresses his his, uh, his 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 lady friend with his powers. He does all the things that that he wants to do. And there's a lovely sequence where Morgan Freeman meets with him, and he says, "You know, what have you done with my powers? Because he's just used them for his own benefits." And so there's a sense in which God isn't going to do what we want Him to do. And we have to remember that in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus answered that response to the disciples, teach us how to pray, he told them to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That doesn't mean to say that we, we there's a cop-out and when we don't get an answer to prayer, and as uh, Beryl shared, when somebody in the worst case scenario dies when we've been praying for them, we don't say, oh, well, it must have been God's will because that's what happened. We're not, a, we're not, we're not fatalist. Sometimes things happen that I think are outside of God's will because we live in a fallen world. And everything that happens doesn't happen. It isn't always God's will. 
When I am weak, then I am strong. The mystery of unanswered prayer, there is a mystery. And sometimes we just have to be honest and say, we don't understand. Rather than putting burdens on people and say, well, it's because of this or because of that. It's because you're not doing this or because you have done this or because you've not believed enough or you've not prayed enough or you've not. It isn't your fault. And for some people, it might just be a great relief to know that there's a mystery, but it's not your fault. It's not because God doesn't love you. Somebody said to me, you know, I don't want to stand up and, 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 and talk about my answer to prayers because I know that there are people whose prayers haven't been answered and I don't want to rub it in their faces. And sometimes, although we don't mean to do that, we do that, don't we? We rub it in faces because we trumpet those answers to prayers and we don't give the voice for people that are struggling. And we need to hear about those struggles because they can be just as encouraging as the answers to prayers because we can identify with them ourselves because we too struggle. And so, the mystery of unanswered prayer. You remember Job, don't you? I spent three months with him last uh, summer. Uh, a great time. This is what he said. Though he slay me, and Job, you know, he, he knew one or two things about unanswered prayers. He prayed for his children every day. What happened? They were taken away from him. Uh, he prayed all sorts of prayers that weren't answered. And yet he says, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. There's a mystery in that, isn't there? He, he cannot give up on God, even though he thinks God is his enemy and has turned against him and has turned his back on him and he's gone silent on him and all his worst nightmares have come true. He can't let go. He's going to remain trusting in God. And I don't know about you, but I think that takes a greater faith to still trust in God than if God was always answering my prayers and giving me exactly what I wanted. And I tend to take God for granted. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. The mystery of unanswered prayer. It is a mystery. It's humanly unexplainable. And sometimes, yes, God may have answers. Sometimes we might look back in hindsight and be able to see something of God's purpose. But sometimes we look back and we can't, but we can't make head nor tail of it. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense. There's a guy called uh, Dr. Lee Robertson who, uh, who quotes a poem called He Maketh No Mistake. And he says this, he says, A man named um, Overton wrote this poem when his wife died. And uh, Dr. Robertson became acquainted with it when he met the pastor who had officiated at the funeral of Mrs. Overton. And it seems that while he was speaking, the pastor noticed uh, that Mr. Overton sat in the pew writing something. Thinking that was strange, he asked him about this. He asked him after service. He said, "What was it that you were writing down during the, the funeral service?" And he said, "I was writing a poem." And this is the poem that he wrote during his wife's funeral service. He says, "My father's way may twist and turn, my heart may throb and ache, but in my soul I'm glad I know." He maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away. But still I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all in him. He maketh no mistake. There's so much now I cannot see. My eyesight's far too dim. But come what may, I'll simply trust 
and leave it all to him. For by and by the mist will lift and plain it all he'll make. Through all the way, though dark to me, he made not one mistake. A poem, a prayer of faith in God when there is no answer to prayer and when there is no understanding of why it hasn't come. The mystery of unanswered prayer. And in the end, that can be our testimony. And it can be a powerful testimony, as in the story of Job and is in the story of many other of Jesus' followers. And Paul himself, in his first letter to the Corinthians, he says this, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We don't get the full picture. We don't see things from God's perspective. We can only see things from our perspective, from where we stand. One day, we will see. But for now, we continue. We struggle. We pray. Sometimes, marvellously, we get an answer. But often, and probably more often than we care to admit, our prayers seem to go unanswered. Next week, we're going to be thinking about how we sustain and keep going with a healthy prayer life. And that will be our final uh, in this series on prayer. And again, we're looking for testimonies. So if you've got a testimony, do have a word with me.